as we look at Isaiah 51, 12 to 13, I want to illustrate that when you read the Bible very carefully, it creates new categories of thought that you never had before, ways of thinking that never entered your mind. And secondly, because of that, it makes you a deeper analyzer of people's emotions. You become a more thoughtful, insightful, shrewd, discerning watcher of people. It makes you a better counselor. So, Father, as we tackle this text now, would you open to us ways of thinking that you have, that you can reveal to us by your word, if we would pay attention, and would you make us wise watchers of people's hearts and minds so that we can be insightful and helpful in our counsel. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God says, I, I am he who comforts you. Who, you, who are you? that you are afraid of man who dies, of the Son of Man who is made like grass, and have forgotten the Lord your Maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, and you fear continually all the day because of the wrath of the oppressor when he sets himself to destroy. And where is the wrath of the oppressor? So what's the problem in this text? The problem is that people are afraid. You are afraid. You fear. And he's angry with them, upset with them, because they are fearing. I, I am he who comforts you. Um, who are you that you are afraid? You are fearing continually. So that's the problem. Fear. Why are they afraid? Or maybe first, why shouldn't they be afraid? I mean, they're afraid because, because of um, Son of Man, man. Afraid of man, of the Son of Man, the oppressor. But why shouldn't they be afraid? They shouldn't be afraid because I am he who comforts you. So first reason, God is a God who, who comforts, who gives promises of protection and comfort. Secondly, because he is our maker. He stretched out the heavens. So this God who comforts us is omnipotent. He made things. He stretched out the heavens. He laid the foundations of the earth. And moreover, this man that you're so afraid of, he dies. I never die. He's made like grass. He flourishes for a few days and then he withers away and I'm, I'm forever. So the third reason we shouldn't be afraid of is because man is so weak compared to God. And if we go back one verse up here to verse 11, we realize he just said, 
the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So we had a a magnificent promise that God would bring his people to everlasting joy. She'll return and come to Zion. Everlasting joy is going to be upon their heads. So what we've seen so far is not surprising, right? Nothing new, nothing shocking. Man is afraid. God is great. Enemies are weak. Man shouldn't be afraid. All that's familiar. Wonderful. Glorious promises we have. We shouldn't be afraid. God is powerful. God is a comforter. But there's a, there's a glitch in this text. <laughs> Look at this. I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid? That's a rhetorical question implying what? Who are you? that you are afraid. Who are you? Now that I did not expect. And when I first saw it, I thought, what in the world? I I would never, I have never in my life said that to anybody. Because what it looks like is pride is the problem here. Who are you? Who do you think you are to be afraid? Most of us, when we see somebody who's afraid or fearing, they look, they look weak. They look helpless. They may be crying. They may be trembling. The last thing we think of is, aha, pride. Weak, helpless, crying, trembling, pride. Now that is shocking. That's what I mean when I say, if you attend carefully to the Bible, then you're going to find things that are absolutely mind-boggling. This text clearly implies pride is at the root of this fear. I don't care how weak it looks, how helpless it looks, how many tears they're shedding, and, and how much they're trembling. They are arrogant. These Fearful people are arrogant. Who do you think you are to be afraid like that? What Now, why are they arrogant? What is arrogant about fear? Deep down, they are too proud to trust God. God is a God of comfort. God just made the most stunning, amazing, glorious promise to his people of everlasting joy. They're not going to be lost. They're not going to be destroyed. They're going to live forever. They're going to have infinite joy in heaven with God. They're going to have all their sighing is going to flee away. They're going to obtain gladness and joy. They're going to sing their way into Zion. I am the one who made you who stretched out the heavens, foundations of the earth. I comfort you. If you're afraid, you are exalting yourself above me and my word. I have spoken comfort to you, and you are too proud 
to believe me. That's the issue. Too proud to receive help and be utterly dependent and confident in me. You are holding on to your fear so that you can have your little little pity party instead of humbly, totally trusting in me and my comfort. The issue in this text is that God is belittled by our doubt of his care. Our fear is an expression that he is not able to bring us the comfort that we need. He is not able to rescue us from man who dies. So my conclusion is, I have now just run into a brand new category of thought that never entered my mind before I saw it in this text. And that's true. I never thought of any broken down, fearful, trembling, weak, crying, helpless person as arrogant. I never did. Including myself, mainly myself. I have felt fear many times and never looked in the mirror and saw arrogance. Now I do. So, when I counsel people, I don't assume that tears mean there's real, genuine, Godward, theologically God-exalting brokenness. I don't assume that. It may be, but it may not be. Read close, read close, and go deep into God and deep into human emotions.